Hello, this is Mark, and you are listening to Walnut Grovecast. Today, I have a Broadway performer, scriptwriter, actress, and now author for her new book, Bright Lights, Prairie Dust, Reflections on Life, Loss, and Love from Little House's Ma. She gives a very intimate and personal account of her own life. Please welcome to the show, Karen Grossley. How are you doing, Karen? Hi, great. Uh, Yesterday was my pub date, so it's a very exciting time for me. You were kind enough, your publisher was kind enough, maybe you were, to send me an advanced copy, but I did pre-order it, because I just feel like that's the right thing to do, and I'm not going to lie, I can't wait to give this book to Little House fans um, that I know, because it is such a good book. Thank you. I do think it's going to make a wonderful Christmas present. Oh, totally. I get this question a lot. Um, Is there an audiobook coming out for this book? There will be, but I don't have the date yet, Mark. Are you reading it? I am. Oh, all right. A lot of people are going to like that a lot. I was in Los Angeles uh, two, three weeks ago reading the whole book. Oh, my God. And uh, it was really a revelation reading it after all this time, you know. And I uh, thoroughly enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? Um, because, you know, that's a pretty big task sitting there reading, reading an entire book. Yes, um, I had a wonderful uh, director technician who was listening and recording and catching any little slips or mm-hmm. breaths or saliva or anything, you know, that could spoil it. And he sits there without um, being able to see you while you're reading so that it's only his ears, you Mm -hmm. know. And he was so great. Every single thing that he picked up or gave me a note on, I agreed with him. And in some cases, it was the line reading, you know, of of wanting to hit just the right note. And he totally got it. So it made our work very pleasurable. On the other hand, there are some very emotional things in that book, as you know. Mm -hmm. And so there were times when I had to say, okay, I have to take a minute here. And I would just sit down and weep for a little while. Yeah, I can imagine you get choked up because, you know, hearing yourself read this out, I mean, it has to be a little bit emotional, um, even though you know the words. Yes. And then when it came to reading things about sex, you know, here was this guy in the other room. It's one thing to sit alone in a room and write something about sex, but it's another entirely to read it out loud with a man listening nearby. (laughs) So... That was very odd. When you got to the end, um, did you have a different perspective of your book? Um, like, did you like it more? Or like, did you think like, oh, I, I kind of that was a difficult thing to get through, but I'm glad it's there? Or I, I, I was actually pleased. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Good. that's it. That's mission accomplished, right? Yeah. Um. So. As you mentioned, your book is extremely personal and touches upon your relationships within your family, your relationship with alcohol and drugs, and um, also you're you're very open about your sexual history. Um, Mm -hmm. And you also talk a lot about your professional relationships. When you Mm -hmm. handed in your first draft, did you feel like liberated or did you feel like maybe is this too much or like what was going on in your head when you when you handed it over and you're thinking it's no longer just mine. Now somebody else is actually going to be reading this. (laughs) Well, I'm sure in my first draft, it was not that naked. Mm -hmm. You know, it's taken years for me to unwrap myself, unwrap the story, 
find out even what is the story, and then to reveal things about myself that uh, are nothing to be proud of, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say it was a process of building uh, layers of intimacy with the, uh, what I included in the book. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, so also, looking back at working with Michael Landon, who's already a television star, um, I mean, he was just very well well known, um, and, but he also had a, a reputation of being demanding. What was it like to make this change from a demanding live performance? Because you have... Um, you cover this in your book um, in a remarkable way of your live stage performances um, to demanded on film. It's got to be, a tr- I mean, two completely different mediums. Yes, but my training uh, was to be sensitive to the room I was in. Mm-hmm. So if I was in a huge theater, then my instrument needed to project clear out there. But if I'm in a room as I am sort of my Zoom room with you now, Mm -hmm. I can just speak in a normal voice and you're going to get everything I'm saying. So I applied that principle to being in the intimate situation of having the camera right there. Hmm. Um, Most recently, I think it was the New York Post or one of these New York newspapers um, wrote what I refer to as kind of an overblown cheat sheet about your newest book um and many fans have gasped in horror because you know god forbid you are not caroline ingles um did you expect the fandom to react that way i'm not um dealing with anything that people are posting on social media to um express their reactions Mm -hmm. uh, to the book i believe in the book I don't believe it was possible for me to tell my story without telling my story. Sure. And that's the way I feel. Um, so yeah. that there it is, you know. And in a way, the relief you were speaking of when I might have turned in that first draft is the relief I'm feeling now because I'm very vulnerable. My life is out there. Mm-hmm. My family my uh, drug addiction, my alcoholism, it's all there now. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's nothing to hide. Um, many fans have this separation problem with Caroline and Karen. And do you find that you've borrowed any character traits from the character over the time that you played her and even just reflecting back on the character? You know... I am so thrilled to know the impact that the character of Carolyn has had on people. Mm -hmm. It's coming home to me now more than ever. The love that people have for her and the attachment that people have for her. And so in that sense, I'm very sorry if people have hurt feelings because I'm not Carolyn or because Mike and I didn't have a perfect relationship, but this book is, you know, real life. And what I learned while I was playing Carolyn was that many parts of myself that I had been pushing aside 
because I had to work, because I didn't have money, because I didn't have a steady marriage, came to the fore. And my longing to be a parent became so clear to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, while I thought of myself as very, very different than Carolyn when we started, by the end, I felt much closer to her. Um, so throughout your book, you, you express so many different interests, whether it be um, in performance and writing. And um, Did you ever have an interest in trying to write or direct an episode of Little House? Oh, yeah. Well, because of the contra- um, contract conflict, mm-hmm. um, I uh, lost my uh, my good favor. Oh, I see. Like your and, leverage is kind of eh. Yes, and I, and I had already hung in for my fight to get paid properly. So I didn't have another fight like that in me. And um, if I had played it differently, then perhaps I could have directed a few episodes. But that wasn't to be. As I'm reading it, um, the negotiation becomes almost this subplot. And then it becomes, you know, really, <laughs> it is. And because the whole time we're thinking, well, I think the reader is thinking, come on, she's Ma, you know, like she deserves, you know, Everybody loves Ma. It's like 1975 at this point. It's been the show's been renewed, and you're going through these tough negotiations, renegotiations, mm-hmm. and just it's it's one of these things where we we don't know where it's going. And I love the way that you um, you were very honest about it. I think in the way like you didn't just kind of stamp your feet and say, "Well, I deserve it," and that's that. You gave, <laughs> you gave real reasons, you know, it's, um, but it is, it, it becomes this whole moment where you have this, this really sweet moment with uh, Michael and you think to yourself, well, I thought walking away from this will, the negotiations will definitely be settled tomorrow or in the, yeah. and it wasn't, <laughs> it was just like yeah. back to business, you know, and yeah, that was so strange. You know, I never expected to be paid commensurate with a big star like Mike. I just expected to be paid what is fair for a co-star on a hit series. Mm-hmm. And uh, my attorney said, well, let's not pull this thing of you have the flu and you stay home. Mm-hmm. Go to work, you know, do your job, and I'm sure we can settle this. And, you know, that dragged on for over a year. Wow. I mean, that's got to be stressful. Um, Oh, my God, it was so stressful because not only did I not know what my contract was, but I was also being uh, treated um, uh, in a punishing way to try to bring me into line. Right. Like you were were being stifled, essentially. They they said, let's write her out of the script a little bit. I'm sure this was discussed just bluntly like that. And that's Mm -hmm. what they kind of did. And you feel it. I mean, you're really right there next to you in the book. And I just think the way you describe it and everything is really, it's lovely, but at the same time, it's heartbreaking. You know? Well, thank you. That sounds like good writing. (laughs) (laughs) Sure is. Um, And like I said, I am a big fan of the book. I I felt that it was um, a very, very smooth and enjoyable read. Um, It doesn't go up and down. So 
Um, I ask this of all the cast members I've spoken to. Um, do you own any of the artifacts from the Little House set? No. <laughs> You're like, uh, no, in the background you have like all this stuff. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, again, because I was kind of mm, persona non grata, not a lot was offered. Mm-hmm. So what I do have is I have Carolyn's hair. Oh. I have that beautiful fall. And I have that wonderful bun that Larry said, here, Karen, these are yours. Um, but I wish I had my black boots my and my sunbonnet and my apron. But those belong in the Smithsonian. Sure. Why, why are our costumes not in the Smithsonian, but the Waltons are? I don't get it. You know, nearby we have the Museum of the Moving Image um, in Astoria, Queens, and uh-huh. they have um, they have a similar um, setup with um, the Seinfeld. Um, uh-huh. I call I call them costumes, but I guess they're not costumes, right? But um, and, but you know, it's like jeans and t-shirts. Hard to call that a costume, but I guess it is, right? And I, I would just imagine that this would be something that people would just love to see personally, and I, I agree though. If it's not the Museum of the Moving Image, of course, the Smithsonian is um, yeah. the step up from that. But hopefully one day, maybe um, maybe it's in a, a warehouse somewhere and somebody's willing to donate it and make a... Oh, maybe a nice- that will happen, yeah. Uh, when I was living in New Mexico, uh, I got word that the wagon was nearby. Oh, really? and And I said, oh, I have to go see the wagon. So <laughs> my son and I went out there and got up on the wagon and had our picture made, but it wasn't our wagon. Yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine they would allow the wagon just to be climbed on, but you never know. I guess. No, this was someone personal who owned it. Oh, I see. Someone had bought it and they thought it was our wagon, but it, it wasn't. It's a counterfeit wagon. wagon. <laughs> <laughs> who knew Who knew there was a market for counterfeit Little House in the Prairie wagons? Um, next thing you know, the mantle is going to pop up on eBay or something. Um, so, um, one of the th- speaking of wagons and vehicles, another I-, I noticed throughout your book you mentioned cars. You mentioned an old Volvo, and then uh-huh. and one of the questions I was asking a number of cast members is, what kind of car did you drive to the audition? We know from your book that you drove a borrowed car or a leased car or right. a rented car, and. I think by the end of the little house, you owned um, a nice uh, little Mercedes. That's true. I had rented this old Ford Fairlane from an old woman that my dad helped with her property. Mm-hmm. And um, that car was had, it had been parked in her garage for I don't know how long. So we rented that car for $25 a week to get back and forth to a good deal. appointments in Hollywood. And I drove that car to the audition for Little House. And then once, I guess maybe it was, once a contract was settled, I ordered a spiffy yellow Mercedes-Benz convertible, 450 SL. And I enjoyed the heck out of that car. (laughs) It's a great car. I know the car. Um, I'm kind of a car guy. Um, Are you? Yeah, I actually, oddly enough, today I have a, um, a 1972 Volkswagen Beetle being delivered to my home. 
Oh, how fun. Yeah. I saw one the other day. They're so cute. Yeah, they're great. I've, I've owned a number of them, and this one I'm going to do a restoration on. And I oh, just love fantastic. them. Oh, um, <laughs> You know, I'm driving a Tesla now. Oh, that was my next question. A Tesla? Holy yeah. moly. Yeah, and I love it. And I'm just uh, so, I just feel so uh, kind of smart every time I pass <laughs> a gas station. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I... There's a lot of Teslas here on Long Island, and my wife and I have had this discussion. It's like, maybe we take the step and get a Tesla. We'll see. Think but it you, over. But you love it? I do. So it's a, that's a really um, iconic car for you, as my angles, to drive, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that should be an ad. <laughs> Elon Musk should have an ad with you in it. Like, you know, it's like kind of like with a wagon and then in the Tesla. From your mouth to Elon's ears. If Elon's listening, you know, maybe grab a pen. So um, so one of the shows that I recently watched um, and reviewed with um, Pamela Bob, who um, does the Living on a Prairie um, sure, I series. I know Pamela. Yeah, she's a wonderful woman. Um, we were talking about Little Girl Lost. And in particular, what an intense episode. But we didn't notice, maybe I didn't notice, how intense your character is. Mm. Holy moly. When you watch this and you see some of these shots of you and the way it's um, lit, I mean, this is the most black I've ever seen Little House um, in terms of contrast and cinematography. Mm. Well, we had a wonderful Emmy Award winning cinematographer, you know, and uh, when we were shooting that, Mike went over to the telephone and called NBC and said, let's push Karen for an Emmy because Mm -hmm. he thought my performance was so outstanding. Nothing ever came of it. They never ran a single ad, (laughs) (laughs) but, but it was a good day. Nice to hear. Right. I mean, yeah. and looking back, I mean, I think I completely see what he was saying and um, that's written in your book as well. And when I read that, I was like, Oh my God, I have the same opinion as Michael. (laughs) Um, Now, your heart really is, I still think, I think, on the stage. You love performance arts um, and Broadway and off-Broadway performances, I think, right? <laughs> I love so. acting, and it's the most wonderful thing to feel the physical presence of the audience sure. and to know that night after night, that audience shifts. Your performance is shifting in all kinds of very subtle ways, and it can never be exactly that way again. So it does remind you that there's nothing but now, you know, it's now, Hmm. this moment. Um, Have you had the opportunity, um, I don't know if you've come back to New York since this whole pandemic um, craziness. No, not since the pandemic. Hmm. I used to come once or twice a year, but I haven't been back yet. Oh, I'm... So looking forward to coming back. And my wife just bought tickets to see um, Dear Evan Hansen for um, my son and us. Oh, and wonderful. So we're excited to just kind of go back to Broadway, to be honest with you. Yes, it's, what a thrill. Because um, with us, it's, you know, it's a 45-minute drive. So it, it's yes. really, we're very blessed in, um, in that sense. But I hope that you do continue, you know, to, if the next time you do make it to New York, um, you see a show that you enjoy. Oh, I will. I have friends who just came back, and I was so envious. You know, they said that 
everybody had to be vaccinated. That yeah. he was wearing masks, and they felt very comfortable. Everybody's so. cool about it. Everything is fine. There's no fighting. There's no arguing. Everybody's pretty much like this is just the way it is. And yeah, it's a, it well behaved, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, speaking of acting, you um, there's a performance in a film that's coming out soon called Not to Forget. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's coming out on November 26th. Um, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about your performance in that film? Yes. Uh, thank you for asking. Not to Forget is an independent film that was shot in Kentucky in the countryside. Oh, I love it. Uh, absolutely beautiful country. And uh, I lived in a farmhouse there while we were shooting, and I was playing the owner of a big farming operation, who was now an old lady who had dementia, but she didn't know that she had a problem. So it's a family film. It's uh, quite entertaining as well as moving. And um, I absolutely loved my character, Miss Melody, mm-hmm. who who loved her fields of corn and who is set upon by a grandson who wants to defraud her of her riches. So he and his friends try to pull a bunch of scams on her. And she is being protected by a man who is her caregiver. And he has a secret dark story behind him. So Mm. all the characters have some complications we have a whole raft of Academy Award-winning actors who have um, played uh, small parts in this movie, came in for one or two days, did a fantastic job, and then flew home while I stayed there and toughed it out. (laughs) Your ma, ma, come on, you can handle it. Oh, it sounds um, wonderful. Now, is this going to be in theaters or streaming? I don't know how anything is released anymore. Well, uh, thank you. Yes, it's very confusing for me. Uh, I believe what they're doing is releasing in New York and L.A. for some short run Mm -hmm. and then going to have it streaming. And I'm not even sure if it's streaming on Netflix or where. So I'll track that down. And I found the trailer. I'll put a trailer in the show notes and make sure people yeah, the, check the this out. The trailer's a, a little odd. If you see the trailer, you'll see that it doesn't look like I have much to do. <laughs> but, you know, you know, there's no accounting for trailers. Um, and um, and I'm sure everybody who wants to can find it. That sounds wonderful. Um, do you have anything else um, that you're working on at the moment? It's going to be a struggle right now. Well, you know, it's been a pandemic, and yeah. now getting the book out has taken all my focus. So I'm very interested to see what rises up from the deep yeah. when things settle down a little bit. I did have some ideas about doing some stories. Well, they would be fictionalized stories about backstage and behind the scenes uh, events. Mm. Um, So one of the things that people talk about, this comes up probably every eight years or so, but this time it came up very loudly, is rebooting Little House (laughs) on the Prairie. 
Um, now, I've heard through the grapevine, I can't say this is 100% accurate, that it's been shelved. It's not happening at this right. time. But what are your thoughts on something like a reboot of Little House? I don't know. You know, they're welcome to try. It's very <laughs> difficult to do it. Yeah, it's impo- I think it's impossible. I don't know if you can make that show n- in this well, climate. I guess the whole thing is why? Yeah. Since, Money. Since we have it anyway, and since the audience only grows, I mean, during the pandemic, as you probably know, the audience grew exponentially. Sure. So now Little House is in the top 2.9% of all shows on the air. Can you believe this? I mean, it's no. 48 years <laughs> since it aired, first yeah. aired. Um, and we're talking about a performance that you did nearly 50 years ago. I don't know. It's crazy. And so why, why, why remake it? I mean, Mike did it. He had a fantastic vision of what it should be. He achieved it. And the audiences are still coming. We're now in our fourth generation. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> so, so I don't know why. Why remake it? I don't know. Yeah, it's I a guess, money grab, I guess. Well, you know, and people often think, you know, they'd like to remake it um, in a different style. You know, like realism, mm-hmm. like uh, real dirt and real. Uh, struggle in the prairie and everything. Um, but it's not the tone of the books. Yeah, the tone of the books really was captured, I thought, very well um, by, yeah. the, by the original production. Yeah, I think Mike really knew his audience. He, w- he was at like an intuitive connection to the American audience. And he knew what he wanted and he delivered it. And he worked so hard, and he did a fantastic job. And when people say, well, he was demanding, personally, I don't think he was demanding. Mm. Personally, I think he did everything he could to make things run smoothly and keep a light atmosphere on the set. And, um, they, you know, if you crossed him, like I did, <laughs> by asking for a raise, um, God forbid. You could suffer. But I think he ran a very tight ship along with his partner, Kent McRae. Now, I've heard all of these wonderful stories about the relationship that Michael Landon had with the cast and the crew. Um, So it came as a very um, a bright eyed surprise when you were talking about, um, I guess, his petulance to be so open with jokes that uh, really touched upon being sexist and inappropriate. Um, Certainly would be inappropriate. in today's climate, but you couldn't have been the only person to have an issue with this. Did you ever discuss actually, it? I, with actually, him? I was the only person. Really? That is yeah. so surprising to me. There were also racist jokes. Mm-hmm. So there are other people who may have had issues, but I was the only one who insisted on getting a raise. Hmm. The little girls, one of them was kept home by her mother and her contract was settled in 24 hours. And the other one had no favored nations, so her contract was settled immediately. And the other actors looked at what happened to me, and they went, hmm, like cautionary tale. Really? You know? So the fact that 
Mike had a fantastic relationship with his crew was true. I wouldn't say that was true of his relationship with his cast. Mm. All of his actors would come to me privately and they would say, Aaron, I don't think Mike likes me. And I would tell them, no, no, no. He loves what you're doing. It's just how it is. Mm. There's one line, um, and I really wish I underlined it, where you talk about, um, I guess, his frugality when it came to <laughs> parties, to put it kindly. Um, and I have to wonder, I mean, this is somebody who had a lot of wealth um, throughout his entire, um, I mean, from when he was very young, right? So you were, um, I believe I'm going to be completely paraphrasing this, but there was um, a cast party and it showed that, I guess, um, things were kind of left out because of his <laughs> frugality. Well, yeah. I mean, there was never much much money spent on hospitality. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, the The food was good. The catering was good. You know, we 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 got fed. But when it was time for a party, boy, there was not much money spent. And I was kind of amazed by that because yeah. it's a way of saying thank you, you know, to the people who've worked so hard. But that's just the way it was. Hmm. <laughs> Um, so what, another thing that's in, that goes through your book is a discussion of, um, I'll refer to it as like an esoteric or um, a meditation type of interest that you had from a young age. Um, mm -hmm. And I, you bring up a book called um, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz that your mother had given you. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, do you, do you practice any forms of meditation? Um, I asked this as somebody who has practiced um, transcendental meditation for about 22 oh. years. Oh, wonderful, Mark. Yes, and this morning I'm, I was practicing my loving-kindness meditation because I needed to settle my mind. I needed to be able to get ready and be present to meet with you and with other people later. Mm -hmm. And I was full of a jangling brain, worried about uh, copies of books and when are the new printing orders going to be ready? And just, um, just really, uh, you know, not present. Mm -hmm. And I think I was able to come back to what is important and to be here and be here with you, you know. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Um, if I can just ask uh, one more quick question about uh, your publisher. Um, yeah. So it's... Um, your publisher is She Writes Press. Mm -hmm. And um, could you talk a little bit about who they are and uh, why maybe you chose them? Yes, I chose them because I was rejected by all the mainline publishers. And um, my agent in New York uh, tried and tried to sell this book. Hmm. Um, and we could not sell it. And so She Writes Press is um, independent hybrid publisher here in Berkeley and they wanted to publish it. And uh, the first time that they agreed to publish it, I said, well, hang on. I, I think I'm uh, going to find a New York publisher, which they understood. Mm -hmm. And then when we did not find a New York publisher, 
I came back to them and they were happy to publish my book. So the way that a hybrid publisher works is they provide their expertise and their knowledge of how the book industry works and the author provides the material and the upfront costs. Mm-hmm. So I'm in this thing up to my neck. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but that sounds like something that um, Karen Grossley would do in this book. Well, I guess it and is. has done. I guess it is. <laughs> um, but I will say, so I'm holding the book right now. I, and as somebody who's designed book covers and has been around publishing for way too long, I love the publishing, the physical, the cover, the quality of the book. Everything is beautiful, and I really love it. Um, I, you know, dealing with the people um, who are connected to the PR, connected to this book, um, Megan Beatty. I believe mm-hmm. it's Beatty or Beatty. I'm sorry Beatty. if I'm... Beatty, uh, lovely, um, very um, quick to answer all of my questions, and I think you're you're surrounded by good people, and I have a I lot of faith in this book, Karen, and I wish you nothing but the greatest of success with this and everything Thank else. You. Thank you. I'm very happy with the way the quality turned out too, and I will certainly pass that on to the designers at She Writes Press. Yeah, I, I really loved it, and. Um, what is next for you? What is um, what's twenty twenty two calling your name for? <laughs> I I don't know, Mark. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, again, I appreciate it, and I, I appreciate you taking the time today to do this. I stole a bit of your morning. Oh um, no, it was a pleasure. And um, it, and again, I just want to mention your movie one more time. Not to forget, comes out November twenty sixth. This uh, this episode will be released later today. So hopefully people can look it up and I'll share all of the links um, so you can follow Karen's career. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. 